0: And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of for today because, like, I, I'm heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>
1: I want to start off Cheddar with something that came up on Monday's show and it was Michael Carton said that Anthony Daly told players before a cold day, we've been talking here in the show about numb hands because it interests me a lot and I, looking at a hurling game thinking Anthony Nash got a ball on the hand the other day from a save that he made, he knew nothing about it but, but Michael Carton said that Anthony Daly told players to put their hands under a cold tap before going out on a cold day and we put this up on twitter anyways, and and daylo replied he says it 's a well known trick of the trade for jockeys riding in the winter did you hear Did you hear about this one
2: i didn 't actually know, you know. Um, maybe it 's a monster thing then <laughs> maybe it is um, uh, maybe maybe Daylo knows an awful lot more about the horse race. he certainly knows more about it than I do anyway so so um, i don 't really know a lot about that but look it, it, when you think of it woolly look is it a localised form of cryotherapy I would probably say it is um, and look the you know cryotherapy has been supposed to, to to work in you know muscle recovery and there's a whole there's a number of medical reasons for that in terms of, of um, um, I suppose the body you know is defending itself and, yeah. and blood flows to the critical organs and so on and so on and in that I think it sort of cleanses oxygen and, and oxidises itself and that and, of and course, then it goes back down goes into back the down areas and and so you, can, you can imagine and I think that what actually really happens there is it. and I rather the medical people to, to explain this but um, I, I think the arteries are that um I think they dil- the, the, the dilate somewhat and that's what creates the heat there's some, there's some uh, actual reason for that anyway. Right. Um, so I can understand that on a localised way and, and look cryotherapy is used in localised forms for some pi- parts of think, dermatology or some parts like that as well. Yeah, I can if, understand if the cryo- reasoning behind this. If you
1: did a cryotherapy and localised the blood would come f- rush from your hands and make them even colder it, so you'd it,
2: it, be it would, but it, it, it would but it's, when it, when it, when it normalises this when this happens. It's not in the cryotherapy process itself it's actually after the cryotherapy process itself. All
1: oh, right, so uh, do it in the dressing room then it'll ah you could yeah I'm still not going to do it I'll <laughs> put it that way I'm still I
2: know, not I, what I'm surprised actually Willie about is that there's not other um, you know ways of doing it I mean there's obviously hand warmers out there that a lot of people use and um, the American footballers have the
1: little pouch the little pouches,
2: that's right yeah and, and there's athletes actually use uh, gloves as well I think they're sweat free gloves or something like that there, there's something different about them anyway but look bear in mind as well there's a huge amount of um, huge freezers around the country I'm assuming they use something like that as well. So I'm surprised that somebody hasn't, particularly over the winter, hasn't, over the winter, hasn't brought in a supply of them into the dressing room just in case because we nearly have everything else in there at the minute.
1: Yeah, well that's the next thing. If I was a hurler, cheddar, I'd make all these changes. I'd warm up your hands. Brian Carroll actually said to me that he has heard of this before, and he said he used to do was that when he'd be doing the calf stretch he'd make mm. sure to put his hands onto the ground he said some hurlers would put their hands onto the hurl and wouldn't get their hands wet yes. and yeah. then I was thinking would you be you'd be destroying your grip and all that kind of thing down onto the, down in the in the mucky ground if you were, put, if you were putting all your weight on your hurl I, I I'm I just totally confused about this yeah, whole thing no, I,
2: I think it. the grips would take care of that and um, look I suppose it's just um, it's a case by case basis for players um, I suppose a lot of the old timers and maybe some of the old timers uh, listening to the show, Woody would say we're gone a little bit soft here because, you know, there would have been an awful lot of rural people, farming people and all of that. Uh, going into the autumn and that there would have been snagging beet and turnips and all of these type of things, and you know, and not alone would you have frostbite in your feet, you'd have them in your hands as well. Um, and they just their way of dealing with that is well, look, work a little bit bloody harder there and you'll warm up. So I think the warm up and an intense warm up prior to the game will deal with that anyway. But you, one one thing that I'm surprised and I, I'm going to uh, quote one of the least players at the minute is Jack Kelly. I often see Jack on on a cold day, and you know he'd be swinging the arms like old timers used to do years ago when they when they be working outside on that. And I, I haven't seen it that much, but when I saw Jack doing it, um, I can certainly remember a lot of the players years ago would have been doing that and hurling in hurling, particularly. You know, because ball, you know the hands don't need to be warm here, no more than any sport, I, I suppose. But you was litter going at you, you know, at 100 miles an hour, and your hands are cold uh, you know it's not a nice thing to happen and if you spill the ball of course that's not what you want either so I, I'm, I'm I'm not surprised that Delo has some tricks here uh, uh, drawn from horse racing or, or whatever, um, you know, to deal with something like this. Yeah.
1: OK, we'll move on from that one, Cheddar, because I have this under this is going to keep you quiet. So there's six teams now in the Leinster Championship. <laughs> um, so there's no relegation this year. So obviously one of the, de- the, I think it was the Carlo delegate said, if we persist with the grade as it is, you're ending up with a yo-yo situation where teams are going up and down. Um, you need at least two years at the highest level to improve. So look, I know you're highly critical and and um, of the developing counties, but this has to be a positive step. I know that you're going to say that they could do more, but this in on its own is definitely a help to leash least Carlo Westmead. So that if you're good enough, you'll stay up there. For, you know, for yeah. for a few years.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think it is. Look, I've been. I suppose you've been banging this drum for a long time there's, there, there's a few parts of that um, and I suppose I just keep saying this about taking the step back first um, you know is the vision there to create more teams and I just don't want to keep because uh, um, I think I said on this show one time that I'm not going to talk about it anymore so I'm not going to go over all, all ground here but this is part of the jigsaw um, have your flagship team in a championship that will draw crowds and um, clearly if you know if you were playing top teams in Leinster and look who's in Leinster you have the Wexfords and the Kennys and the Galways the Dublins um, and that and if they're coming to your ground they clearly draw a crowd the best example ever you're going to see of that is actually our own county at least, last year against Dublin um, and you know the the feel good factor in that in the park in a more Park that day was fantastic and you know that that has sustained the team and I think has, you know added a lot to the team um, so I think it's a really, really good and a positive thing. But, uh, you know, I go back to um, a number of the things, Willie, that I said. It'll only be good and positive if it's developed upon. And on its own, it's only it's only a cog in the wheel, really. It's, it's the championship. It's the carrot that players will want to play in. It draws the crowds. You will want to go into the park to see your team play. You'll be proud of your team and all of those things. Um, but unless it's supported by a really, really good development plan, and that development plan needs to be, you know, has to surpass all of the competitors for you to catch up. You know, I've said this before, the Leash Carlo. at this minute, in my time, Westmead, Carlo, Kerry and Leash have the best teams that they've had in 30 or 40 years, I would think. Um, and, but but they're still a, like they're playing to the best of their abilities and they're still a little bit off. they are still a good bit off the top teams. We're still a little bit off the middle teams, and you know that's where you want to be. You want to be competitive with the middle teams as such, um. And I think it'll take a a good little bit more for to bring them to there to to develop that. And I suppose. We have the examples, um, you know. I quote Dublin regularly um, in terms of the development plan. I went into two thousand and three and what it produced in terms of underage. I was actually at the colleges Leinster final in Carlow last week with Coláiste Owen and St. Kieran's Coláiste Owen beat him. And th- you know, there was a time when Dublin colleges were all the one team in Dublin in the Leinster college championship. Now they're able to st- step out on their own. One college. Is win in yeah. final? And was, now I know Kieran's missing a couple of players, uh, but that's beside the point. The point I'm making is that uh, the development of hurling, and this is in South Dublin, um, you know, as we know, um, so it just proves the point. The other point that I want to make on that is that probably the second best development plan going on in Ireland at the minute is in Wexford and I think Wexford have got the two parts right. They've got the development to be able to sustain young players, to populate a really, really good senior team and they've got their senior team, their flagship team performing to the best of its ability. I think all of the parts are in place for Wexford to really, really go places, um, you know, provided things don't fall off the table or fall between the cracks and that. So I go back to to that point again. (laughs) I think what would be really good now that one part of the jigsaw is in place that the GA would look at this and they would say well look let's give this five years and see can we make this work and if it can't we'll review it at that stage and we'll do something else but a couple of the things that would be really helpful here uh, Wooly, would be first of all that development plan it has to surpass Wexford it has to surpass Dublin's for some of these teams to catch up because they simply don't have the geographic base and the numbers so you've got to do something that far surpasses other counties that that's the crucial thing that needs to get done here. And look, there's no plan in depending on county boards and somebody these to do it because it's just it's just it hasn't been done. So how is it going to get done in the future? Somebody needs to grab this by the scruff of the neck. And the other thing that I think that would be very 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 helpful. There's obviously going to be five games in a six-team uh, Leinster championship. Um, could you give the benefit of the doubt to some of these counties and say, well, look, we'll play all your games at home, or at the very least play three of the games at home and two of the games away every year, rather than vice versa. I think it. it it might go the other way you know two away three at home um, and I suppose just consider giving a small leg up over this five year period or whatever length of time the GA considers um, to look at this, um, you know, separately for a five year period. And if it, after that period it didn't work, well, then you need to look at something else because you cannot move away too much from what Tommy Wilde said about Tullerone and that either. You know, that, that Tommy um, had some reservations about this in the sense of, you know, you know, taking some, shipping some big beatings and then, you know, losing confidence and lose momentum and hurling and the, you know he, he was quoting his own club own that when they did go down into regional region Kilkenny, they were competitive at that level they built up and of course they went on yeah. and won another
1: That's a point I do try to make here and here sometimes No it is
2: yes uh, but, but I just think that Willie really, the other has never been tried properly yeah. um, there, there's a number of cocks in the wheel the competition that you're playing in needs to be the flagship. Your flagship team needs to be performing and it needs to be performing at the top level and you need the Joe Cannings and all of these coming into your park to attract young people and families and all of these to it. because in some of the areas hurling may not be embedded as much as it is in some of these other counties. So the the fight for... Um, you know the product which is the young player is much more difficult than it is in, in counties where the culture is very very different and I think you know you might look at some other little things to give the leg up in terms of you know more local games and certainly the, the development plan for those counties and the number of coaches if that's what's needed you know whatever is needed I'm not saying there's one size fits all but there certainly needs to be a complete review looked at in all of those counties to drag them up and you know if, if after five or six years that doesn't work well look there's no point in flogging a dead horse then at that stage you've got to change and do something else yeah
1: yeah okay I suppose it would it not be more than a five year job though like I mean would you not need maybe maybe be a ten year job and go back to uh, current uh, eight year olds uh, and hope uh, that they're well, good look, minors
2: I, I, I think it would Oli um, and look if, if you look at um, it, it probably would but even if you just wanted to look at it on a five year basis and you say after five years well you know one part of this or is how is right. the
1: money being implemented uh, maybe review uh, it that well, way well, I well like, that
2: should be reviewed every year I would right. spend no money anywhere money is just it's just not easy got um, and We've wasted an awful lot of money on some projects in the GA that that you know has seemed to have slipped by and nobody really cared. Um but I just think that after five years, if you're under 14 team and you're under 16, under 16 team, hasn't become competitive at that stage, even in terms of numbers, first of all, playing the game within the county, the numbers of schools and the integration between schools and clubs and county development panels and all of those things. You should see dramatic improvements in all of those areas and all the wiring up of those things. And if you didn't, then you'd have to ask, well, look, this is a waste of money. Let's do something different. Yeah.
1: OK, great stuff. David Fitzgerald, I was talking to him last Thursday. Cheddar and we were talking about um, we are talking about manager speeches um, and this is what Davey had to say about that
0: I won't say so I'll put it to you before in the dressing room maybe 10 seconds that's it right. we have other things that we do right uh, that we keep to ourselves but there's other things we do then, that I feel is more beneficial to us performing on the field right um, we have certain things that I think is really good I don't believe that anything you do on the day of a game will change the player too much. Yeah. I believe that the week, the 10 days before it is the window. So, team talks before you go out, I think, like I remember when I plan, listen, being honest about it, it could have been Jared Clan, I fucking wasn't listening to yeah. a word like, I was just tuned into what I feel I was going to do. And so, I, it's only the last year or two I've kind of said, you know, why am I talking for the sake of talking? No point. Get around, sees everyone okay. Whatever the story is, we do our few things that we have. I believe you should go out in the field, feeling good, feeling yeah. Just yeah. get ready to go.
1: Because what I always found, like there could be a team talk in the warm up, then there'd be another one in the dressing yeah. room, then there's another one when you get in a huddle on the field. And we, it's have fif- we have
0: 15 minutes. Uh, being honest, um, early out in the day, right? So 15 minutes. I might take three or four minutes, go over a few points. Then the backs coach and the forwards coaches will get them for maybe 10. Go over that. That's it, yeah. the whole day, that's it. And all they're really doing is just, they might say one thing that might trigger, but is it really a massive part of our day? No, it could be killing time a small bit as well.
1: So I thought that was interesting with Davey, and I talked this, about this briefly on the football show as well, in that Davey would have the ability to make a brilliant you know, speech in a dressing room and he's moved completely away from it and he believes, which something I strongly believe, is that the week leading up to a game is the time for talking and the time to tune players in and he's gone to the point of believing that what you say in a dressing room at that
2: point is probably not really being listened to anyways. That's tr- I think that's true. Um, I think, look, science has proved this, that... Um, I think you only really hear something like 20 or 30 percent of what's actually said, um, you know. So, uh, uh, look, uh, I suppose it's different uh, for, you know, there different situations demand uh, different things at half time and that. Um, but I think what maybe Davey's really referring to there is that, look, if Wexford or whatever team you're over is playing in a certain way, um, you're not going to change that by just talking to the players. You know, you need to rehearse, rehearse. I would imagine that really what he's talking about there is that, you know, he's probably looking at Wexford obviously have a defined game plan the way they play, um, but he'd probably tweak that a little bit game to game depending on what game and what team he's playing. So he has maybe seventy five percent of the basis of the way he wants to play already well rehearsed and well repeated, um, and then he's talking about maybe fixing the, you know the other 20 percent or whatever it is the week before the game. Um, and I think you know those type type of discussions are much more in depth than that, and it's unlikely you're really only repeating really on on the day of the game. You know what you've spoken. About about earlier on in the week Do you need to ramp it
1: up though on match day? Do you need to you know there's, there has to be a change in in the way you're speaking to like I don't know I, I would be always of the opinion that a good team talk on the Friday night will even a bit of shouting a bit of driving on that motivation now you shouldn't have motivation to play in Championship anyways but driving that home that message home and then Saturday you're wired up for it and you're ready and Sunday you arrive in the mood i don't I don't know, could you maybe drop off that and maybe need another kind of big speech or like I mean are you wasting energy is another thing? Are you shouting and yeah. roaring and getting all hyped up about when you really it's internal how motivated you are and it's a championship game and
2: do you know yeah i, I think it it depends on the occasion will you really um look sometimes you know a team or some players you know need that sort of shock shock treatment to really. You know, honing in on something, um, but I think if the message—if you're mixing up the message that you're giving on the Friday and you're mixing it up again on the Sunday, um, you know that's just confusing for players. Players wondering, well, you know, what am I supposed to do here? I'm sort of getting mixed messages here. Um, so I, I think it depends really on on the team, um, and I think that's where it's really difficult. Willie having, um, you know. I would say a number of coaches, or you know, you have a you, at county level, you're going to have a wider management team, as such, um, and just making sure that the, the key messages get through to the players. And it's probably just a small number of messages, really. But look, there are days when, when you know you, you 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 have to go for it and you have to go for the blood to the team. The team just really hasn't fired up here, and you know, for there, there's a variety of reasons for that um, when you really, really need to go for it and shake things up a little bit here. Yeah, but the idea maybe at is, half time, at half time, uh, even before it, there's you know, maybe the game's over at half time but I suppose the real trick on this is you know and this is where the Davies and the Brian and all of these people come in that you rarely see or is rarely spoken about is their ability to have the finger on the pulse of the mood of the team yeah. and you know they will be looking at that. Um, just arriving, you know. You, you know, Davies team might meet up in Wexford Town or wherever. And you know, there are the things he'll be looking at. He'll be actually looking at players, looking at at facial expressions, and you know where their mindset is and where their mood set is. Uh, you know, the, you, as you know yourself, Wooly, the mood music in the dressing room outside of what the manager or the management team does, can determine the performance on the field. And if that's intrinsic within the team, that's brilliant. And, you know, clearly the John Kylers of this world have built that into the likes of Limerick and, and, uh, and that. And it's generally speaking done. You you won't just go in on the day and start shouting and roaring and the next, next thing the team fires up. Now, you might need to do it, but if you have an all of that type of psychological stuff wired up in your team, you know, months beforehand, you know, it's unlikely that it's going to trigger and that that it's going to, um, I suppose, motivate the team just at the drop of a hat. You know, you need to have all of that sort of and stuff, that software, hardwiring really stuff uh, done with your team well in advance. So it's when it happens that, you know, it's well, re- it's, you know, it's, 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 it's well practiced and team knows what you're trying to say and what you're trying to get across.
1: W- would you have found it difficult coming up with new angles for, you know, motivating them, if you get what I'm saying? Like, because sometimes I'd see managers and they'd be saying, Something to a team, and then next week it could be something completely different, and it might it might not be great, and then they might speak on a Friday night in a meeting, they might be speaking again at the dre- at the dress in the dressing room, and then yeah. they might speak or they might speak in the warm up and then they might speak in the dressing room and you know they 're coming out without cliches, and they 're making up they 're mm-hmm. talking for the sake of talking yeah. there 's no message there you know there 's nothing that 's going to get me thinking and sometimes I think there 's too much talking and I mm-hmm. even remember when I was captain of port leash and even the huddle before the game when it's traditionally the captain talks and I shared that around because I was like they're listening to me too much and I can't think of more angles it was for myself and them I remember before Leinster final against Screen in '04, Mickey Fenley only started because Ian Fitzgerald uh, was away on holidays. He had his honeymoon. And I asked Mickey to talk and talk about how, you know, he was able to get in and, you know what I mean? And come at that angle. And, mm. you, you know, I, I don't know, just try to find different players on different days that might have an experience to tell that might you know be able to talk to players,
2: rather than it just be the same person all the time that's true and, and I think first of all less is more um, you know the, 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 the message let's try Willie let's just take out for a minute the occasions when you really need to go for blood with the team here you know when the team is just not psyched up properly and in the right motivated state to be able to go out and perform you know you really need to to, to Would that be more for league games now? Should you have uh, to do that uh, for championship? Ah, uh, look, it it could happen at any time. It just could happen. There's a number of reasons why that might happen. Um, you know, your team now it. Wouldn't happen. It rarely happens with with uh, league teams, as Judge will But you know, you might think that the, the game is done. You you know, you're going to beat them anyway, and you get yeah. into a, into that sort of sense. Um, but let's just take that out of the equation for a minute, and let's just take that you're you know you're, you're handling the team now in preparation for it. Um, I I think less is more, but you can share around a lot of the messages with your management team and with the team itself. And yeah. you know, here's where you're you know you, you 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 have built up your leadership within the team beforehand, and you know the team itself has probably built up its leadership. Or that's the best way that's happened but you might have to do that as well so there's a lot of things you can do to to, to I suppose r- keep the message fresh but I don't think Willie you can go along and say one day um, you know we're going to play in a certain way and this is this is the way it suits our team and then suddenly three weeks later you're, you know, you're going to say oh no we're going to go a long ball game or we're going to go something different because this suits our team um, I don't think you can do that um, and I do think that the message that you give to the team is hugely hugely important but really at the end of the day the message you give the team is only what the same message that you're giving them in the training field like your rehearsal of your game plan and the way you play and the method of play has to be the same message that you're verbally giving the team today to match in that as well and I would say less is more and sometimes you know I I I'd much prefer likes of Brian Cody and, and people that have you know performed in, in much um, you know higher performance games and have much more experience with that than I have at a much longer time um, so you know so just take Brian for a minute I mean he's managing at the very very top level at actual peak performance every day for over 20 years um, how do you keep that fresh and how do you keep that um, you know that is a challenge in itself you yeah. know uh, certainly Tyrone manager uh, Mickey Hart you know must be in the same you know because you, you, you know there, no matter how you, you, I, I would say one other thing If the message is the right message, it's always the right message, Woolly. You might need to deliver it in a a certain way or in a different way just to try and keep it fresh. But there shouldn't be. I I often hear this, and I'm sure you have heard it as well. um, Oh, we needed a fresh voice you don't need a fresh voice you need the right voice saying the right things yeah. that could be the very same voice that's saying in a number of years and if you feel that you need a fresh voice is that not, not just a crutch for your own performance because if you were getting the right information you're getting the right training and all of that it's not, is that not the ideal uh, situation and you look, if you look at that to a certain extent and you maybe you look at it at soccer and you look at Ferguson um, you know I know he nearly keeled over in the first year or two but after that he was there for a long period of time uh, with a certain way of managing which obviously the right way, because he had success. But he's a,
1: he's a great example because Roy Keane, even though he they obviously fell out, mm. said about Ferguson's greatest quality as a manager is knowing the right thing to say to the players
2: and sensing, reading yeah. the dressing room at crucial times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. And I think that that may be very well be Brian's. Um, I'd say
1: Brian Cody would be similar to that. That's yeah. obviously your yeah. experience, and, and obviously a lot of
2: other things. Judging yeah. players, you know, great judgment of players and their ability. Knowing to a good form. player, yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah. But, but just you know, when you narrow it down to that part um, of the performance uh, wheel, I suppose, um, just knowing what triggers players, and you know, the other side of it is. Um, you know, you you, you 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 critique in private and your praise in public. I think there's there's some little sayings like that. I can't actually think of them at the minute. Uh, but how you handle players, um, some players just simply need that kick up the backside, and they actually want Wanted to, you know, get themselves properly motivated. Other players hate that, and they like just a little bit of time left to themselves to gather their thoughts and that. And sometimes you get that wrong, down to the extent, Wooly, that you know these are little learnings that we all go through. Um, the minute before a game the exact minute before a game I I just think that players like to gather their thoughts at that stage in terms of the jobs that's in front of them rather than just going through a very intense warm-up or something like that Um, so look it differs from team to team it differs from player to player which is certainly neat and certainly know that and I think that's what makes great managers great
1: yeah no I'd say you're probably right um, you were in Nolan Park uh, last week Brian Cody said about Leash after the game he says look we all saw Leash last year and they're going to be a step ahead of that this year which was a nice compliment to get from Brian Cody yeah. um, how did Leash perform against
2: Kilkenny I, I thought they showed great spirit Willie um, they got a couple of st- they should they, they, they should have converted a couple of goals earlier on which would put him in a good driving seat in the first half now Kilkenny were the better team probably throughout the game uh, but I really admired Leeds' spirit they fell a little bit behind they stuck with it they just kept doing uh, the, the right things um, had good spirit about him came back out in the second half and uh, you know really really fought hard to get back into the game and pulled it back to to you know a, a dangerous situation for Kilkenny there to There was be a in. strong wind was there? So I, I don't think the wind though was I, I think it was the it was the spirit of the performance, right. Woolie, rather than the wind uh, that 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 was there. And uh, you know, I'd have to say that I thought the application and the fight in all of the players was good. And there are down a number of players. Just I don't want to talk about the players that are not there, uh, but there are down a number of players that are injured in that as well at the minute. Um, that you know would be would be certainly would would strengthen the team. And I'd say Eddie was quite pleased that the game was in Nolan Park. Um, I, I think Eddie was probably a little bit disappointed, really, that. When they did when Leeds did pull themselves back into the game in ten fifty minutes into the second half, and you know, put themselves in a good position to really have a go at Kenny, maybe he, I'd say he might be a little bit disappointed at that stage. They didn't recognise that and just go for the juggler at that stage. Um, but I think it puts them in the, the fact that the game was there, um, and you know, gives them good experience for the championship in that as well.
1: Yeah, Jack Kelly came on and John Lennon came on before half time, so that maybe improved their start of the second half. Yeah, I think they that, are getting fellas back. The team has more yeah. of a look about it than you know. No, from last year than it than it than yeah. it did early in the league.
2: And I think the experience of last year certainly stands to the team, and I, I think the team is still in, in an upper curve. Um, I think Kilkenny had started off with Walter full forward, and I think the deliberately put him out in the wing. Um, and uh, put the Greg Balicallen man in full forward, very 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 quick player there. I think that caused least oh, some Billy problems. Billy Ryan, I could just name, sleep my mind for a minute, um, and that the, the, that that pays through the middle caused Lee a, a couple of problems around that time. And you know, Lee's fixed it, and and uh, I was quite happy with their spirit. Now you know, you, you cannot just be um, happy. Um, haven't been beaten by anybody. I know It like Kenny, doesn't care who you are. You know, you've got to have that mindset that, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a go at whoever is in front of me. I'm going to take them down or I'm going to give it a right rattle. And I thought Leash did, and I, I think it, it served them well for the championship. Right. OK.
1: Eddie Kerr was in the news this week, Cheddar. And Eddie always has, has he doesn't hold back with what he thinks anyways. And let's just say he's old school in his thoughts. But listen, I'm a traditionalist, so I, I find myself agreeing with him sometimes. And uh, he was given out, he was saying, I counted 20 people on the field that shouldn't be on it, from whereforeners to physios to doctors to water carriers and fellas with towels to dry the ball and all that. Grand. Now, he says, this is a point I kind of, uh, kind of thought was the most interesting. He said, now, I honestly think that the physios and the doctors are overdoing it as well when someone goes down oh. injured. There's two of them running in. I don't think anyone should be allowed to run in on the field with the re- without the referee's uh, permission. Is there? They're on like a light. Sometimes yeah. can they be on for something that's too trivial altogether or like what, what's, what's the situation like this? You see them sprinting on and there's the two of them. Like, I mean, mm. it's not a head injury. It's like it could be a finger injury. That, like, you know, yeah. you could walk over to the line. Like, should yeah. they be running in, interrupting play for injuries that are not necessarily serious or who judges whether it's serious enough for them to run in or not?
2: I suppose there's a couple of parts to that, Willie. Clearly Eddie's referring to county, so I'm only talking about county here because yeah. I mean, county and club are very, very, very different here. Um, but so club,
1: th- club could have a physio that just legs it on uh, in. And, and they and, decide and, themselves. No, I know could, than but I think
2: what, what you have referenced there with Eddie is that two people go in there. So right. let's, let's just deal with that issue first. Um, so a player goes down injured. Generally speaking, the, the two people that go in there is the team doctor and the physiotherapist. Both of them are um, professionals a very very high ethos about looking after everybody, not necessarily team players. Um, and how do you how can you assess if it's a serious injury or not? And both are in different professions now, mind you. How can you assess if it's a serious injury if a player goes down and is on is on the ground until you go in and see them? Um, so I know in my time, um, Doctor Sharon MacDonald was the was the um, doctor with Leash. and I can tell you one thing if you stood in, way, in, in Sharon's way of going onto the field to treat an injured player, you, you'd be fairly told where to go pretty quickly. <laughs> Not necessarily because it was a least player ranked like that. Yeah, she's yeah. A, she's a, a doctor who has the care of players and everybody else in the stadium uh, highest on her on her priority. And I really admired her for that. And let's just think about that for a minute, Wooly. We have a number of um, ACL injury, injured players um, that need... You know, that needs to be assessed on the field. You can't just throw them on, like you used to do years ago, throw them, throw them on an will plank, roll him over to the sideline, heal him up, and then have a look at him to see what it is. It needs to be assessed by properly qualified people. Um, and I, I'll give you one other example. There's been a number of examples, thankfully not a lot, but there's been a number of examples where players have swallowed their tongue and that it happens pretty regularly in contact spores. not hugely regularly but it's a serious serious issue if it's left too long if it's left too long in terms of oxygen to the brain and all of these things um so i, I just that's I, an extreme example there's a play into a a bit of time
1: wasting and a player play-acting because if he's play-acting and he's lying on the ground you can guarantee the game will be stopped if these two come running on like that
2: I will look look, do you get me I I know you understand where you are I think the referee is there to to actually deal with that the referee goes up to the player and the doctors and that as well and I don't I'd be amazed if there was a doctor or a particularly a doctor who would try that on at anybody's behest, and I can tell you, you know, I've only experience of, of a number of doctors in that, and I can tell you, I wouldn't like to be the person to tell a doctor to go on the field. Listen, listen get absolutely down there and delay it for three or four minutes. Uh, I don't know any doctor that would actually even contemplate that for one second, will it? To be honest with you, yeah. uh, but, 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 doctors, but but I I, but I do understand your point, mm-hmm. and I, I think the referees, um, you know, the intercounty referees are aware of that, and and um, you know, I you know, you've seen it a number of times the referee has ordered the player up. I think the the, the right people are there in the field. I would rather err on the side of caution with that unless it's, unless it's actually something serious because it could be something yeah. serious.
1: I've seen maybe at club level you might have someone who's not a doctor and not actually even a physio but they're running because I, yes. I I've play acted you might take a hit that might look worse than it is, yes. and we're two pints up. and I could do it, a, I could do it a break. And yeah. the, the person comes running out to me, says, You all right? I said, Yeah, I'm okay, but give me, a, I, w- yeah. I want a minute. And do, then they'll hold up the few fingers and they'll play, act- they'll play, they're playing a
2: game. I do agree with this, Willie. Um, but I am answering what Eddie said about physios and doctors here. Yeah, okay, I, I okay. want to clear that yeah, point yeah, up very, yeah. very clearly, first of all. Um, I do, um, I, I, I do take the other point all right. Um, I, I to be honest with you if a player goes down injured I, I never go on the field because I'm not qualified to assess what his injury is I'm at an inner county level um, and like
1: I, a masseuse or something could run in if you know. Well, you know.
2: well, well even at training level, Wooly. If a player goes down injured, I just send a physiotherapist into him, and you know he deals with it. I'm I'm not qualified. It it, it doesn't mean that I care less about the player. Um, I'm just not qualified to assess anything like that. I do take the pint. It's more at like club level, but I'm really just answering Eddie's pint here. Yeah. Um, Eddie was a former inter county player, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant player. If anybody is, goes back in his in his career, probably one, probably the greatest hurler. I'd say one of the greatest hurlers ever. I know everybody might have a different view on who that would be um, but I'm surprised for him to say that at inter-county level um, I'm much happier bear in mind all of these players who go to work on Monday morning I'm much happier that a doctor and a physio who have very very high standards and very very high ethos about looking after players and, and where they stand and generally speaking you will not mess with them will go onto the field and assess that and off the go and I think referees I think Jay in general uh, will he even look at it another point It's thinking, a good thing that they it's do It's a it. good thing oh absolutely I think now I do take the other point I think the referee is um, you know, we'll know when people are swinging the lead here and trying to delay time and all of those things. And there's been a number of times referees have simply ordered the player up when he. T- when he, when, you know, when he thought that that's what the case that's what it was.
1: Right, okay well, that, yeah, that's true um, talking about sidelines, Greg Kennedy he was speaking during the week, Greg we remember Greg last, last year, he was talking about um, you know, what he did in that Kilkenny game he says, look it, I shouldn't have done it, I shouldn't have happened but it did, it was one of those things when, you, when uh, you didn't want to be there, you just have to draw a line in the sand and there's not a lot I can do about it now it infuriated a few people but no one got killed or anything, I so suppose if you compare anything to someone getting killed it's, it's, a, it's completely innocuous then yeah. isn't it it's a, that's a good trick it's a pity it happened but we just have to move on and behave ourselves so that's it kind of I just I hadn't seen him actually comment on it before he didn't say it too much but at the same yeah. time um, I thought that was a funny one Good. finish up here uh, Cheddar Cork have cut their free passes and I didn't realise that they'd done this so They had been giving free passes to county board delegates and also to anyone who won in All-Ireland with Cork. And what a fantastic thing Mm. to do, because if you represented Cork and won in All-Ireland, what a lovely thank you it is. Just to walk into a county final and be waved on in, it's it's a small gesture of thank you, isn't it? And the county board delegates as well, they get it. I would be less less kind of uh, on that side of it, but they've cut it anyways to save money. And... Mm. I don't know cut the delegates I would say yes but if Sean Ogahalpin walks off to a county final and now he's being charged after telling them last year that he's waved on in that causes embarrassment for any of these yo fellas if they haven't mm. been sh- I don't know what you think of this number one I think it's it's a great thing but I think you can cut costs in other ways than how much are they losing by this
2: um, I think there's two aspects to it you really I suppose, it's interesting that the All-Ireland medal winners get it um, but I'd love to see Pat Horgan in All Ireland. Um, I think everybody would. But if he doesn't, You'll
1: make an exception for him. Surely, but if he doesn't,
2: <laughs> does he not get a pass into it? I mean, you know, a man has, ent- has simply entertained thousands. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's an interesting one. How that works, I'm not too sure how that works. Yeah. I think the other thing, Uli, is what happens to number twenty nine on the panel that well, didn't book a ball? Correct. There you go. And, and look, uh, 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 you know, county board authors are now that you know they, they take a bad hit most of the t- time. But you got to consider as well; there's a huge amount of. Brilliant people you know given free time to that, much more than players give woolly um you know, and I'm probably the other side of that fence and that age gap now to see what they actually do um and you, you know so you know how can you have one rule for maybe one not people? much more
1: than players now I oh,
2: know without a doubt only much more they than go players.
1: and sit in a committee every bloody month or well, whatever I, th- th- I
2: can guarantee you one thing I'd much rather go and play a match and get it, <laughs> and, get, and get, take a few slaps into the bargain than go and sit on but, any committee we'll in you. that's because you used to play <laughs> this is their match a lot of these uh, people that's I what think, they enjoy I know I think uh, 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 woolly you know let's you know there's not enough media bashing about um, volunteer people who are giving a lot but I do
1: think the volunteer that on committees I think they enjoy that they're not doing it out of a, a lot of them
2: enjoyed I, it I know, I know they enjoy it Willie, but they still have to give a huge amount of time my problem is that um, a lot of them are not fit for purpose for the jobs that they're, they're on. Um, and, you know, maybe that's what happens. Maybe because there is so much time involved in and you have to commit so much to it that, you know, the people that could re- make a huge difference to our organisation, either at club, county, or national level, don't get involved. That's my real difficulty. Um, and I, I certainly, there's an awful lot of people involved, even with teams and with county boards and all of that. You know, without them, the thing won't, won't run. Like, they're the, they, you know, they are the people that oil the machine as such to a large extent. And, you know, a lot of the time they get a huge amount of bashing here. And in fairness, Wooly, some of it is their own fault because they, you know, they just don't step up to their plate here in terms of the job they should do. But anyway, look, that's my comment. The other issue, though, Wooly, is a different issue. Why did this happen? Um, it was a serious overspend in a capital project in the, in the GA that actually caused this. Um, and, you know, maybe sometimes needs must. And, uh, you know, I think the at headquarters level have put it up the cork and they said look he caused this debt now you need to go away and sort it to a large extent anyway I think maybe the, the debt may be halved between both but there's certainly a significant sum that Cork GA have to come up with themselves uh, to do this so maybe this is maybe they do actually need this um, in the short term at the very very least you know everybody knows how difficult it is um, you know when you get into tight financial constraints and all of that how difficult it is even just for cash flow and to keep things to keep things motoring and all of that um, so maybe it was needed I don't know it's a question for Cork to answer themselves. Um but I, I I did think Willie that the um, I suppose the past. The, 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 I thought it was really, there, need, there was reading. There were there were nice things. There was certainly nice things. A nice recognition for people to get. But I, I don't know how it would work because, as I said to you, um, you know, you Pat Hargan. I'm just using Pat as the quote here. There's obviously other players in different counties and that. I'm, I'm interested in the other counties do it as well. I don't know that, Wooly. Yeah, we will have
1: to do it for Minor All-Irelands Leash Leinster. <laughs> 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 all
2: right, I'll, I'll outside the gates, so we'll, <laughs> we'll
1: come back and we'll talk about the matches.
0: I remember my mother, Mercenor, she's dead, she's eight years this year. She never saw me holding life, but she always went to the matches, to the hotel, the two finals, and we got off the bus after the first one, and the first person to meet me was my mother, and she said, look,
1: that's meant to be, he's meant to be. She said, keep the head up. I said, Grant, no i ma'am, thanks. 96, back to the hotel again, first person, off <laughs> the bus,
2: my mother says, ah look, got some interview at some hand, will you give it a fucking <laughs> way? <rate." laughs>
1: All right, so this should have been quarter-final weekend, uh, Cheddar, but obviously these are all deferred games that are going, a- going ahead. Some Cork or Limerick and Waterford doesn't really mean anything, so we won't spend too much time on that. That's just to decide who actually tops the group, um, maybe. But they're both through to quarter-finals, as far as I can see. The big one at the weekend in Division 1A is Galway taking on tip. And this is, as Liam Sheedy says... Um, he says I don't think any game on March the 8th is a huge game but look it's a knockout game and uh, what I would probably consider a preliminary quarter final. it is actually it is exactly yeah. that it's a preliminary quarter final. Yeah. you win it you're in the quarterfinal you lose it you, and, and, and the big thing about Cork we talked about this Monday cheddar Cork have a 10 week break now to yeah. the Munster Championship Tip and Galway do not want that neither do so there could be a bit of bite in, in this one
2: um I I think tip won't mind, Willie. Um, you know, you just asked that direct question. I think it isn't very, very important to Galway. Um look if, if you were to think you know, what are the things you sort of need to have pretty right going into the championship Um, clearly you need to have you know a broadly settled settled team with you know players with a method of play sort of you know well known by the players and all of that sort of wiring up done Um, certainly some confidence in the team um, that they have the ability to go the whole way here um, and and, you know they're the sort of the fundamentals that you sort of need to have in place you'd have to say obviously the Tipperary have all all of that and they've probably added some players to the panel as well that's going to put a little bit of extra pressure on them and that they've a lot of things right do they need to go into quarter-final semi-final and final to build momentum I just don't think they do now you don't want to be thrown away a match I've said this I don't want to contradict myself of what I've said yeah. before of course they need to go out with a winning ethos and all of that and you know I've referenced Brian and Kilkenny you know in, uh, when they were at the height of their powers they just wanted to go out and win everything and that was the culture then that, that sort of that was in the group um, but It is Gal- more
1: important to Galway I yeah. just
2: think it's more important to Galway clearly the game is in Pierre Stadium and that. I, think to, I just think that the need is greater there. Um and uh, you know doing new management in they need to, to, everybody needs to get to know each other here. Um, I just probably haven't seen enough of Galway at the minute to just look at the playing in a slightly different way than the, than they did. Um, um so th- th- there's a lot of things here that Galway they could do with a couple of more games just to road test what they're trying to do here. Um, even though you you will challenge matches and all of that. Um, in the inter, you know in between the league and in between the championship but nonetheless it's good to get these competitive matches where there is something at stake
1: Yeah definitely so Dylan Quirk was the big kind of story from last week and we didn't we, he won performance of the weekend on Monday and then I was looking at him he was, he was on the under 21s and he played wing back for the under 21s in 2018 when Tip uh, surprised uh, Cork in the final they got a last minute goal he was wing back on that he plays centre forward for Clonulty Rossmore, and they won a county title uh, in eighteen as well And then he had a terrible sickness. So they won the county title in 18. Then he was called into the the panel with Liam Sheedy. And then he got uh, a sickness called my myocarditis right I'd never heard of it so Mm. here's Dylan explaining what it is the lining of your heart gets swollen it comes under stress it can often happen when your immune system is low I collapsed at home one day after work and I went down to hospital and after a good few tests they eventually found the problem I had to avoid physical contact so there was no training for three months I collapsed and then I came back after three months and I collapsed again and I was taken off in the ambulance again um, that's why he took a break all of, for all of last year to get himself back right. And then he came back with the club last year and he got shingles. So the poor fellas had a terrible uh, run. Mm-hmm. He had a nice interview on the field after the game where he spoke completely naturally and relaxed. And I was thinking, this fella, you have Jake Morris knocking on the door of this brilliant six forwards that would be hard to see a way in we haven't heard anything from the bon Maher or where his uh, recovery is and it just looks like Tip have are, are developing that brilliant 15 and also a brilliant 5
2: um, yeah no, that's true um, they've exceptional forwards and exceptional um, stickmen Wally um, uh, look I, I coached a little bit in tip, down in Tip a number of years ago and they always had them, and you have to give them um, um, huge amount of credit to Liam and Michael Ryan before him, before him for sort of pulling it together in Tipperary because you know it's not that long ago um, maybe even after Nicky's time in TIP that uh, you know they just didn't seem to be getting it all together there was never ever a question that the raw material wasn't there it always is there you have I, I have said this a number of times that if th- that the mid division in Tipperary or the north division in Tipperary, if there were a team on its own or a county on its own, without doubt would have played on a number of All Irelands and maybe one of you. There's that level of quality. I think there was a time when I was in North Tip, there was maybe 18 senior teams, and there were you know there was it was knockout. It wasn't we weren't just making up teams. Right. Um, so there was a huge amount of those uh, quality players in Tip. And look, the same's in Galway and the same. This is why they're able to, I suppose, sustain performance and be at the top of the tree, year in, year out. Kilkenny the same, Cork the same. Um, and Limerick is getting to that stage now as well. Um, so I, I'm not surprised about that. And I'd say I'd say Liam is delighted about that. Um, that you know, because th- th- there is this fair, still a fair little gap from being um, you know a real inter-county performer that can really, really change things in the team and that can really influence um, a county team at that level versus still being a great player. There is that that extra about him, I think. Um, and uh, you know, some of these are very, very young. I mean, you you've just you know said Wooly that. He's He's under twenty-one. Just a couple of years ago, he's still a very, very young player. As was learning the trade, really here. Um, uh, So you know. As Brian Cody said about Tip one time, they ain't going away anywhere. Um, and I, I think you know that's the real uh, credit to to Liam and 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 to to Eamon O'Shea and and to Michael Ryan. I, I just keep saying that. You know, people seem to forget that Michael Ryan won an All Ireland with Tipperary. Um, and it's just it's just getting all of the parts of the system together, performing in the right way to to go away and win All Irelands. And and uh, no, there's going to be nothing easier. even having said that. You know, bear in mind last year. Tipper were well beaten by Limerick below yeah. the Limerick in the Munster final. Um, you know, so there's not there's no guarantees of anything here. This is doggy dog stuff. Sure, like I mean, the thing about
1: Tipperary and even from their own fans, they were hammered by Limerick and then weren't overly impressive against Leash, and yeah. nobody yes. fancied them then. Yes, that's like true. They, they, you can sw- light a switch in Tipperary and they can go from looking. Unbelievably yes. good to not great, <laughs> Do you know yeah. that kind of. But I think Liam is playing a smart game. Like, I mean, there's no talk of tip. I was saying that on Monday. Yes. They're completely flown under the radar in the league, and Liam Sheedy is consistently saying, "Look, it's only February, full it, it, of storms. It, it, this isn't the time of the year." Like he he's building this up. No,
2: he he is Willie, but I think it's very very well it's not easy but it's an awful lot easier when you have an experienced team um, the experienced team as you know Willie know when to switch the light on and switch the light off and, and, and well they won't switch it off but they know when it's off um, and they know when, you know and we, we spoke about it a little bit earlier about you know how they motivated room. Um well when you have you know players with two or three All-Ireland medals over a period of 10 years and you know and they've minor under 21 as well and they're you know they're maybe late 20s early 30s very very experienced they just know what it takes to actually get over the line Um, and so I think you know Tip are going to be you know serious, serious serious hurlers and I think if Liam does put in one or two players the likes of Dylan and incidentally first of all and just delighted from Dylan's health perspective that he's in good that he's yeah. back in good health. I mean what you've explained, you know, obviously he's very, very serious health wise. Um so it's just brilliant to see him back hurling. Um and when you, you know you, you think of it, or were a county champions two years ago. Um I'm not too sure if they have if they have, you know, I know the Hammersley's were there on the tip panel for a while very 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 good players and that just tells you like you would like to see Timmy Hammersley um, who was a fantastic hurler at Fitzgibbon and everything else um, but probably just didn't nail down a position that length on Tipperary It just tells you the, the strength and depth and the quality that's in a county like that um, so just look a final call on that brilliant to see uh, Dylan Quirk back in good health and obviously enjoying his hurling
1: yeah Galloway on the other hand um they look very strong at the back. They look to have a lot of options at the back. They look like they have a new half-back line, Porrick Mannion, uh, Shane Cooney and Finton Burke, which is absolutely solid. Johnny Cohen has to come into the back. Dottie Burke has to come back. Gerold McInerney played pretty well at full-back on Shane Kingston, which is a very tough man to mark. What might see the problem for Galloway is up front in that Niall Burke wing forward. This is their team the last day. Niall Burke wing forward can be brilliant or can be hit and miss. Uh, Connor Cooney a little bit inconsistent the last two years as well, form-wise, since he won the All-Star. They have Brian Concanon, hit and miss. They have Jason Flynn, unbelievably talented, hit and miss. They have Connor Whelan, who is consistently excellent. They have Joe Canning to come back, who's consistently excellent. They've taken Cotill Mannion out of the forwards to, to go into uh, midfield, and he's brilliant there. Mm. But outside of Connor Whelan and Joe Canning... Do you see can you see consistent performers for for Galway up front? Um
2: yeah I I think obviously that's the biggest
1: because before Mihal Donahue the the accusation of Galway was that they weren't consistent they weren't probably consistent enough.
2: Yeah and I think that's the biggest challenge for Shane um is just getting I suppose um you, you know your front six or your front eight um, to really get the right mix there of of that type of the type of players that you want, and to get the right method that actually suits them, um, you know clearly mihal got it right uh, for a number of years. They were at the, They were at the top and very very close to the top um, in terms of getting that mix right, um, and to have some incredibly skilled hurlers and incredibly skilled players that you know would have won man of the match in a number of All Irelands. Are, are they? Are the three years in a row minor All Ireland winners? Yeah. Um, There's
1: no one coming up
2: after that. That is surprising. That is surprising. And uh, what always surprised me about Galway is that the club scene there is very, very tough and it's tough hurling. Um, But. A lot, of, and you would think then that in that environment that young players you know coming up um, you know would be able to handle that but a lot of the players that come into the Galway team are incredible stick men uh, but maybe not able to scrap out and grind out the game when they start going against you um, and th- that always sort of surprises me because one obviously contradicts the other um, but no more than Cork no more than Tipperary no more than That they, they have a huge amount of real quality players if, that, if there's no for no other sign they've been in a huge amount of club all Ireland. I know they've a different pathway to it but they're still there um, and it's just getting that mix right and there's a number of younger players coming in Blenheim and Nyland and, and, and a couple of those have to come into it yet as well and I, I think there's nothing like a dressing room with you know five or six really talented young players that are hungry and trying to grab a jersey yeah. maybe rather and, and cocky and confidence about them and having won all our minors and, and have no fear and, and that I think it's a great place to be I think Shane has got a really really good dressing room to work with but you know it's a little bit you've got to get the mix right on the big days as well because you know th- th- there's, there's nothing in these games these are 1.1 where the other matches that's how tight it is
1: It even creates a good team spirit because the older <laughs> lads might there be a bit of slagging going on with the younger lads and it's just a good dynamic to have you know yes, to, and and I, nice think,
2: ex- I think Willie even though you know the more experienced players will I won't call them the older ones more experienced players do see young players as a threat but uh, all of them that I know welcome the young players coming yeah. in as well you know they know they're going to they, they, everybody in the dressing room knows we need everybody in here playing at their very very best for me to win in All-Ireland let alone for their team to win in All-Ireland you know so I, I think Galway have a lot of things really really good and they've obviously a fairly serious backline when you know when Galway fire up in that backline as they did in Kenny in Nolan Park last year um, you know they're a serious serious team uh, but they do need anything to maybe get the, the front six working a little bit better and maybe the method of play and the delivery of ball into them may be a little bit better as well
1: yeah okay maybe they might be forced to play David Burke or Cottle Mannion in, fo- in the forwards you know even the, and sacrifice them from midfield just to beef up that forward line a little bit who do you fancy Galway look we, we don't really do uh, prediction here. Galway are at home I suppose they wanted more would that be enough yeah, to their say need, that their need is, great. their need is greater right yeah. okay. Westmead and Carlo obviously is the big one in the, it's the relegation match. This um, is the deferred coverage on TG Caher. the Galway-Tipperary game is the live game on TG Cahar and like I mean when you look at this um, look through Westmead and their performances in Division 1A. Terribly difficult group had a terrible start against Galloway and went down by maybe 17 points or something like that since then they've bloody performed admirably mm-hmm. like they they ran up 115 against uh Waterford to 318 at home they could have beaten Cork at home they went down to the Gaelic rounds and put 18 points up on you know on Limerick to concede 124 is no humiliation at all i know limerick were in experimentation mode but sure they've been in experimentation mode in every game this year like i mean you could say They've scored 272 in that Division One A. have scored 157 in the One B, arguably a, a little bit easier. Westmead, even though nobody's talking about them,
2: and they were, they were thrown to the wolves. Yes, they have yeah. done all right, haven't they? Yeah, know they have, uh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, I've said this earlier on. Willie. look, this is this broadly the same Westmead team for maybe the last five or six years. Came out of a, came off a very very good minor team and off a an 121 team that Bichel Kenny up in up in Westmead. Um, up in Mullingar um, and look they've a serious uh, management team with him um, you know Shane O'Brien was obviously there last year um, you know has been around um, I think Paddy O'Neill um, is in with him from yeah. Dublin
1: Frank Flannery is a coach Paddy O'Neill Brendan Murta who's obviously an ex, a brilliant ex-player yes. and Alan Kearns is in there with them yeah, as well and, and Paul
2: Greville Paul in with him as well yeah so you know they've a very very strong management team um, they're dark uh, horses now uh, you know
1: definitely they must be favourites for Joe McDonough at least
2: yeah, look, you you would think so, um, and they've Owen Price back with him this year as well. I think he was away last year for a while. Um, you know, a real dynamo player. You know, of one of these players that really makes a team tick. Um, and but I think over the years, wooly what or Westmead, even though and in, in in a lot of the years might have shown better form, I always find uh, Carlo tough to crack. Right. This is a, this you know this is. This is big time, really, for them, um, because you know if you win the Joe McDonough Fine, you know at least one of your competitions, then you're playing and you're playing at a high level and so on. Um, but staying up here is really, really important. And look, if you fell into the team. Um, you know there's always going to be the least Carlo Westmead uh, three teams in the league the way it's set up at the minute and I I, you know I said this last I I just don't know why it was changed around like this clearly just to suit the top six or seven teams or maybe the top three or four teams Um, and Westmead were thrown to the wolves here but they've had some solid performances and you know they can certainly take some heart from the Cork game in, in Mullingar and I just know to my cost, Wooly, that, you know, Mullingar is a fierce, difficult place to go and actually play, you know, just as yeah. your own team playing. And, and it, they
1: won the toss to get home advantage for this
2: Media. Yeah, did. and I, I I just think, you know, I, I mean, clearly Carlo with, with, um, with Mullins and with everything, you know, they, they, they're at a sort of a crest of a wave where they are as well. Um, but I just don't know, I just think that, you know, Westmead in Mullingar are very, very difficult to beat. This will be obviously hugely competitive. This is not just a dead rubber or anything like that. Um, but I just think that Westmead might just have enough there, to, enough to tie down Carlo and, and to, to go and win the match. Maybe just purely because it's in Mullingar and it's so difficult to play in Cusack Park.
1: Yeah Shane O'Brien said it's clear for everyone that we're going in the right direction we've made massive strides from a 17 point hammering so like i mean he know it seems like the tra- trajectory of theirs is up and even though they're losing nobody expected them to win any yeah. of those games but they're yes. performing well they've scored 272 carlov scored 157 Carlo have scored 157 and Marty Kavanaugh has scored 32 points of that. And Marty didn't... I, I'm not sure Marty played much against uh, Wexford. I think mm. he, I, I'm think not sure maybe he was injured. But, like, I mean, that's a huge chunk of that. There's no James Doyle who is so brilliant for St Mullins. He hasn't played in the league yet. Now, I need to find out what's wrong with him or will he be back for will he be back for the championship or what's going on because they need him they're too, they, the obvious thing to say is that they're dependent on Marty Kavanaugh it was the truth isn't it like I mean and if he's, if he's held down uh, you could say obviously down through the years you could say that Westmead are dependent on Killian uh, Killian Doyle but he ha- he, he's missed three league games so they've been performing well without him
2: I, know, I don't think I, I think um you know, every team has a marksman, which, yeah. you know, you could sort of take Pat Hogan out of Cork or take Noel McGrath or somebody like out of tip, you might say the same thing. Um, you know, Carla have some, have more than that. Um, and, you know, they have an outlet ball to the likes of Seamus Murphy. They could do with, with uh, James Dyle. I rate him very, very, very highly. Um, so you're talking about three forwards there straight away in Nolan. You know, they've, they've, they've decent forwards. Um, I think probably where they are at the minute in that um you know in in that division as such you're probably playing a little bit more defensively so I'm not surprised yeah. that the scoring is, is as it is because you just simply need to get performances every day Um, and, and rather than you know just getting beatings for the sake of being very open and leaving yourself very open the thing I worry a little bit more about Woolley would be that you know a lot of their players are going around the, the, the they're, they're going the full circle of the year now playing I mean the Leicester Cup final was played in December whenever it was you know so the, the chances of getting the right type of break even the physical the physiology of all of that uh, might affect them and it's not that you can I think Marty come on in that match actually it's not that you can rest three or four players like the big counties can because you know if you rest three or four players obviously against Tipperary or, or Cork or Limerick or some of those you know, you know what's going to happen uh, so that's the difficulty really for Carlo their, their club has been in the Leinster club final um, there are only four senior clubs in it and I think they're actually drawn all from those four clubs or maybe even three of them um, you know so their players have, have done a lot in the last 12 months um, and you know now they're going to have to work hard in a relegation final um, here again. You know, so they've had just a lot under their belt recently.
1: Yeah, and obviously they might have to change the way they play for this game, where yes. they think they can take them yes, on in a, the in, a, in a which might not be yeah. easy as well.
2: And, and, and I just say, look, I just talk about Westmead for a minute. You know, Westmead have some players, and I've said this about all of these counties, and I know these counties really, really well. Um, Shane Conway from Kerry. Tommy Dial from Westmead um, and, you know, probably at different times, Angus Clark. There's a lot of these, uh, Marty Kavanaugh, um, James Dial, a lot of these players would challenge any top county to get on it. The problem is they just simply don't have enough of that really quality in every position. Um, and that's the real challenge for them.
1: Yeah. Offaly Antrim is the other big one. This is a really big one. Um, so if Offaly beat Antrim, they'll go through. Even though they've lost to Kerry, um, there would be three teams on eight points and a better points difference, which would be very unlucky on Kerry, if we're being honest. And Offaly have struggled to beat Mead. They've lost to Kerry. And I think they've beaten Mayo and, some, and somebody else. Do you know, like, I mean, it's almost like Kerry deserved it more, but that's not the way it's going to work out. Um, uh, you know, if they all end up on eight points, Kerry haven't run up a, a big enough scores. Antrim, on the other hand, have beaten everyone. Um, they've played, including beating Kerry away by six points. So, like, I mean, on paper, they look like they're going better than Offaly. It is in O'Connor Park and they have to travel. Mm. But, like, I mean, it, it's difficult to know how, how to call this one. I was talking to Brian Carroll and he was talking about the changes that... Um, that Michael Fenley has made and the biggest one that they've made is they brought James Dempsey their former goalkeeper out of retirement and they've put Owen Dial, who was their goalkeeper last year out the field so he scored 17 points last week 13 freeze Owen Dial out the field and Shane Dooley's obviously injured so he's on the freeze and everything mm. so like I mean he says that's the big thing hard to know you know about you know an exact style he said that you know Uh, Johnny Kelly's influence is like they're playing a little bit more you know possession based game but nothing major you know not Mm. to the to the levels of Cork or anybody like crazy like that
2: yeah um First of all, James Dempsey was a brilliant goalkeeper and he's still a young man. It's, it's not that he retired um, okay. you know, in his 40s or anything like that. James Dempsey was a fantastic goalkeeper. Probably was one of the best goalkeepers in Ireland. You know, I will say if you were to look at goalkeepers, you would say maybe the top three or four. He was certainly in that group for a number of years. Um, the other person you mentioned is actually Owen Carl, rather than Owen, Dyle, okay, uh, Owen Call, he Owen Carl is the goalie for Borough but plays outfield for Borough and is probably their most dangerous forward. Um, and and has I'm... I'm pretty. You know, he, he was in goal I think for Mary I, uh, but you know has regular outfield experience and is a very 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 good stick man and a very 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 good forward in that as well. Um. So, uh, uh, and I think if you look at Offley, um, you know they obviously started off a little bit ropey, but you don't know where they were. You know, Michael Fennelly may may have identified that fitness from for Offley was an issue that he needed to get sorted earlier on, and uh, that they were in you know in the middle stages of a very very hard fitness and a very very hard stamina program and so on and so on. Uh, but they had a really really good win the last time out against Wicklow, I think 429 to 214 or something like that um, so the memory will be finding form here at the right time and you know obviously the game's in O'Connor Park I'm surprised they didn't bring it over to Borough um, that the game's in O'Connor Park and that as well so they have a little bit of momentum going behind them but you know maybe Antrim have as well um, I think Darren Leeson's over Antrim the former Tipperary goalkeeper Um and, um, you know, I'm always surprised by Antrim. There's a huge, huge interest in hurling in North Antrim and into the Glens and around Belfast now as well. I'm glad to see that there's a development programme for Belfast going on in the minutes. Um, and uh, the, the problem I always see with Antrim, and, you know, I'm saying this with, um, you know, having a lot of experience of them and knowing that they beat us a number of times... Um, that they just some of the times they never seem to be just all really, really pulling in the right direction and all really, really in you know, on the, on the one page, I hate those three sayings. Um but when they are And when they have spirit in them, they're they're a serious, serious team. And they look to have it at the minute. Um, And, um, you know, obviously it's a crucial, crucial game here. Um, Antrim win and Offaly stay where they are for another year. Um, It'd be a bit
1: of a kick in the arse for Offaly, really, wouldn't it? Because they put a a good management team together and for them not to come back up out of that division immediately would be a bit of a, a knockback for them, right? And not even to... Like they wouldn't even be making the final here.
2: No, that's no, that's that's the thing. Like, and it's it's um, it's a big big issue for them because you know it, just with Michael going in and with Johnny Kelly going in and that management team going in, um, you know you you'll always get the bounce to start with, particularly with you know people of that caliber. Um, and I, I say that. Gardley as well, um, you know. Offaly have had serious success for 30 years. It's not just necessarily that Michael Fennelly is going into into Offaly and he's going to raise the boats here. You know, Offaly hurling was top of the tree for a long, long time here. Um, but 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 sometimes you get that bounce from a management team coming in. Um, but you've got to sort of you know win things in their first year as well, or you know the bounce can can just sort of ebb away a little bit on you. Um, so I, I think it is a huge, huge game. Um, you could get stuck in two A. And you were stuck there And you know That started you, That ends up then Being your standard Your your standard Your performance And you know I've said this a number of times About Affleby before Because I suppose It's what I experienced When I went into Leeds Initially Was just um, You know It was just A complete lack of ambition And a complete Um you know, just willingness to get stuck in here yeah. and get in behind your counting, go play with your counting, all of those things. When that sort of inertia happens, there's a whole pile of things then that happens that you need to sort of sort out. That, that's the danger. So they, they message finally and Johnny
1: Kelly and all these are saying, "You're too good for this division, lads. We're going to work hard. We're going to get out of it. That's the the goal for the year. We have to get out of it. Then they don't get out of it. Mm. They can't come back with that message to follow. And you're, you know, you're too good for this, lads. Let's get awfully hurling back. It's like, you know would Michael Fenley and Johnny Kelly would their message to them have to change then next year and you'd be almost worried that this, like you say, would become their their level? Yeah, no, I I'd
2: be surprised first of all that you'd actually say that you're you're too good for this level. I think this is the level, lads, and we've got to work really, really hard to improve ourselves to get out of this level. You know, you got you got to prove your mettle here. Um so I, I I just you know, I'd be you'd be concerned about Awfully if they're beaten. Um, and a phantom beats them yeah. and that you know the momentum and the energy that would be in the dressing room from Michael and from Johnny going into it um, that, that 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 you know it can ebb away very 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 yeah. easily and you know clubs then you know have just a way way too much strength and too much power in the county and they dictate a lot a whole pile of people dictate a whole lot of things and you know more often than not the county comes fourth or fifth down the priority list here and of course when that happens then it's very very difficult to get all of that properly wired up to get your county team and county players as your priority again
1: Yeah, who do you fancy? Uh, you
2: got to, uh, you know It's I, a difficult one This is a difficult it, yeah. one because this is competitive obviously yeah. and you know the other ones you just you just you just waste your time calling because you don't know what team is even going to start. Clearly, these two teams are going to go at it hammer and tongs. Um, and I think that the game is in is in Tullamore. I think Andrum have a good record away from home. Wooly. they actually play well from away from home. They they you know they're good to use a, a term from a different sport or good travellers. Um, but uh, look if if. There's something in off players in terms of their ambition to where they want to take it for the next couple of years. Um, and if they get that right and it's in their own home patch and that, you know, if they can't come out of this with, you know, a pint or two to spare, um, I'd really worry about them for the next couple of years if that's the case.
1: Yeah, OK. I'll go them just to keep it interesting. Right, that'll do, Cheddar. We'll, uh, we'll leave it there. We'll be back on Monday and we'll review the games um, from the weekend. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. <coughs>
0: And when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go I said I'd stay going so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there so we are and we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so
2: much, you know. It's just I'm delighted that the lads the lads did it for the people of war today because like I I'm heart I'm heartbroken.